welcome everybody. Welcome to the From Adversity to Awakening show. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I have a very special guest, Sam Morris. Ta-da, ta-da. And Sam is going to share with us his story about moving from adversity to awakening, transforming his hardships into greater spiritual connection and joy. So welcome, Sam. Before Thank I you, Peggy. Yeah, yeah, nice to see you. So Sam and I met at um, HEL a couple months ago, the Association of Transformational Leaders, and he had a very stellar presence, and um, we got to chatting. We had a very meaningful conversation. I asked him to um, come enlighten you all about uh, what enlighten you from his perspective, his wisdom that he's gained through his life. So Sam is um, the owner and presenter and the generator of an organization called Zen Warrior Training, and he helps individuals and teams and corporation and other places to bring in leadership mindset. So this is an awesome, empowering thing. And I also love that Sam, I have to read it, is um, a ambassador of No Barriers USA, which empowers people uh, with disabilities to live with no boundaries. So Sam is, you can't see, in a wheelchair. He's had an accident 24 years ago. And for the last 10 years, he has... Uh, discovered his inner light and been shining it into the world. So welcome, Sam. Thank you, Peggy. Yeah. Thank you. It's so great to be here with you. Yeah. Nice to be here with yeah. you. So um, yeah. I would love for you to share with our audience who are eager to hear your story. It's so compelling. I can little, what do they call that? Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about your journey with having uh adversity like how the the biggest adversity that or adversities that you have experienced in your life and how that impacted you from at the beginning yeah about then the transfer yeah. yeah yeah so my big adversity started uh a little over 24 years ago which was I just got to the point since I'm 48 right now I just got to the point where I've now spent more of my life paraplegic than I did before then. Mm -hmm. But I was 24 when the accident that left me paraplegic happened. I was riding the backseat of a car of a driver with a driver who had been drinking. He lost control of the car, went off the road, hit a tree. And my spine broke at the level of T12, which is around where your belly button is. So I became completely paralyzed, no sensation, no motor function from that point down when that happened. And I just finished cycling across the United States when that happened. So I was really athletic. Uh, I was not this type of person who was just sitting around all day. Yeah. I was someone who was using his legs all the time. You know, it was not just walking, but cycling, snowboarding, skiing, et cetera. It was my whole lifestyle and whole identity really revolved around the use of my entire body. I was six foot three. Suddenly I'm in a wheelchair um that was only the beginning and your eye level with me and your eye level with me no i'm eye level with you exactly (laughs) exactly exactly maybe even a little bit taller actually (laughs) but uh but yeah um you know i not only that was just kind of the beginning of the adversity actually and 
What many people don't realize is that I spent years in and out of hospitals um, with bed sores, which turned into large ulcers, which I had to have surgery on. And I actually spent over two years completely immobilized in hospital beds, completely dependent on care from nurses and doctors, et cetera. And so that was really where the adversity went from pretty intense to really intense when I was immobilized and spending months and months and months with no life and no ability to do anything for myself. And so that was really the the most challenging part of it. Um, the, yeah, and the longest like, time that I ever, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You went from one really big extreme to one very far. I mean, the pendulum went, couldn't have been further really. Yeah, pretty, like pretty super much, athlete exactly. to completely helpless. That's right. That's right. I mean, what an incredible blow to the ego when it's yeah. crashing and shattering of your sense of who you are. Yeah. 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 And I and I I really I don't think I really understood just how mm, powerful egoic identity actually is until that happened. Um, and of course, when we say ego, we're not talking about anything related to arrogance whatsoever. I mean, no. I was quite, I was quite, um, I was already very much, I suppose, on what we might call a spiritual path at that time, even though I didn't really look at it as such, I was very present. And I, I studied Buddhism, and I really understood the the nature of attachment and how really in order to be as present as we can, we have to be able to and willing to let go of things that are impermanent to really embrace um, that life itself is impermanent. And all of these things made sense on a conceptual level to me. And I was very, for, for where I was at that time of my life, I was pretty far along the path of embodying this understanding. But then paralysis really took it to a whole other level where I reckon I had to, to suddenly come to terms with, oh, wow, I can understand this when it has to do with letting go of attachment to a girlfriend or letting go of attachment to a job or whatever. But when it comes to actually letting go of attachment to the function of 50% of your body, that's a whole other level of attachment where I never, it never even occurred to me that I would have to let go of attachment on that deep and profound level. So how was that for you to do that, to go through that? <laughs> it was challenging, very challenging. I, I'm, I'm not one you have to like really. Night of the soul? Did you get depressed? Did you? Yeah, I did. I, I did. I'm, I'm not one to stay very long in a victim mindset mm -hmm. but i certainly had very a lot of very depressing moments more more so than depression i suppose there was a lot of like listlessness mm -hmm. and and fear a fear of really um sort of engaging fully with the world i kind of isolated a lot for mm -hmm. a while because on some level, I didn't really want to be seen. I I think you know it really. It, I was I was kind of um, I suppose kind of afraid of being 
of other people's judgments and so forth, being surrounded by people's judgments and projections and so forth about who I was and what I was capable of and all of that sort of stuff. Well, I can so relate to it that. It took a long time to work through that. Yeah, you have a lot of experience with that. I can relate to that. that. Right. It's been going on since day one. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. tell us about how it started to, um, to work with you and how it helped you to... Did it did it have an impact on your spiritual connection? It did. It did. There were periods where I really kind of um I don't think I was really feeling a spiritual connection much at all for a long periods. Like somewhere deep down inside of me that still existed, but um it was hard to access. Mm -hmm. And especially around i would say 2004 2005 sort of around that era um, i had been in and out of hospitals a lot I, it was really taking its toll on me psychologically and emotionally and for a while i was drinking too much and just and smoking too much weed and just kind of dissociating without even really realizing it um, and that's one of the more challenging things is when you're dissociating, but you're not actually realizing you're dissociating. It just <laughs> kind of seems like being, you know. That's what they call hindsight, trouble with a capital T. That's right. That's right. So that was where, um, you know, that, that that it took some time. And I would say to a certain degree, I was finding little insidious ways, insidious ways of avoiding a deeper truth for many, many years, um, finding various different ways of, of sort of unconsciously attracting things that would keep me limited, that would, that would reinforce a sense of limitation, even though I wanted to be without limitation, but I would sort of unconsciously attract things that would keep that limited sense of self alive for a while. I'm and it sure. took a while to ex really experience the full vulnerabilities that was required. Well, those are two amazing points, Sam, because I think most of our listeners can relate to a distracting themselves from their adversity because of some difficult experience like shame or limitation. Right. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you said really was so insightful. I can't remember what it was right now, but, um, and the third, the thing about that you, um, just didn't know where like you you didn't know that you were doing this distracting yes right? yes right and that you kept choosing things that made you limited and i can really relate to that and i'm sure a lot of listeners that when the hellfire rises up right that you make choices that reiterate the same the belief that you have about yourself really un unconsciously like I don't deserve, I'm not enough, I'm, I can't really, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what was the, what was the turning point for you? Like how, um, you, well, you mentioned vulnerability, so maybe. Yeah, we, yeah, I, so, so it sort of happened in this kind of gradual way where in, let's see, about 2012, I was experiencing a lot of challenges in my relationship at the time. I, uh, I got married in 2012. I'm I'm now divorced, but was married in 2012. And 
I had a lot of dynamics happening inside of my relationship with my then wife that were really impossible to navigate without someone with some kind of help. And so we got coaching from a really, really good coach who always treated me with a tremendous amount of respect, but also really was able to help me to identify where I was blocking myself. Nice. And and that really revealed a lot to me working with her for many years. And it was during that time that I actually recognized my own potential as a coach too, because I recognized that just the transformative yes. power of having someone else see you and reflect honestly what they see back to you with the aim of helping you to grow through your own limitations. And before that, I never really had anyone in my life who had that role. Yeah. And so it gave me a, a tremendous amount of appreciation for the power of that role, which I still have today when I work with my own clients. Beautiful. I can, I'm a little teary because I had the exact same situation happen with me. And it was when somebody could help me see how I was getting in my own way how I was mm. banging my head against the wall, how I was creating the suffering, not directly. Mm. I mean, it was all through, you know, just helping me become more and more aware till I had those awarenesses myself. And then I could change my behaviors. Once, once you- I want to know more about that. We have to talk about that over noodles sometime. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Anytime. Um, so, okay. So, so someone- had an amazing capacity to see who you were and to work with you in a way that helped you to see beneath your doubts and your limited view and your probably unconscious victim something undeservedness right and so yeah 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 and so yeah. Um, what was what was like was there a moment when Sort of, you had an aha, or I think there were many, the many aha moments, and I'm still getting those aha moments, yes, and, which is why I continue to hire mentors and coaches who are at a very high level of consciousness and who are able to to hold up an accurate mirror because those ahas, for me personally, I know some people have these like glimpses of of something that's like oh the the light goes off and they've changed forever and i would say mine was like a little light here a little light there a little light here a little light there just kind of gradually expanding my field of awareness and and that is continuing to happen to this day and i have a i think i've really cultivated a space of humility around what I don't know. I'm always looking for my what I don't know to be revealed to me so that I can take in, oh, that's interesting. I had no idea I was even, I had even had that little insidious thought that was keeping me from whatever it is, you know? So, so I think it's important for me personally uh, to to really embrace life from that perspective, from that vantage point of I don't know, but I'm curious. I'm really curious to know, yeah. not in a way that has any kind of judgment or self consciousness to it, but as a way of creating 
usually minute little shifts that can ultimately have a great impact with time and practice. Yeah, I love that, Sam, because it's like one of the hallmarks of an enlightened mind is being at peace with the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. And, and losing your fear yeah. uh, or dealing successfully or more successfully. I don't know if we all, any of us deal successfully with the unknown, but more successfully that you can actually trust that right. what will unfold is something that will be for your betterment. Right. And life is here to love you. Life right. is here for you. Right. Absolutely. And I love that you're identifying this very key element, which is making peace with the unknown, allowing the unknown and allowing aware, allowing like essential uh, awareness of your essential nature to rise up out of the unknown and show you the truth about who you are mm -hmm. instead of having you go along with the cultural conditioning around people in wheelchairs don't get to fill in the blank. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly exactly to me it's it's really a, a moment by moment sort of self-diagnosis and sort of reorienting thing mm -hmm. uh i've i've given up the idea of ever like knowing myself as kind of an identity because i know that the identity is really, you know, it's an externally facing thing. And like we, we use our biographies, we use our personalities as an externally facing tool, but that to me isn't really what's most important. Um, well, let's use the analogy of, of skiing, for example. I used to be an expert skier before my accident, and now I'm an expert level adaptive skier. So I've learned how to adapt to awesome. using a sit ski and I've actually even taught sit skiing a number of years ago but I find that this this skiing analogy or you can use a surfing analogy equally as well they are a, a very appropriate analogy because it doesn't really do me that much good to consider myself an expert skier that's that that is it's like okay whatever so i know you know kind of the slopes that i'm capable of going down i understand the slow the terrain that i'm able to be on but what matters the most is the moment by moment how am i balanced over the ski right now how am i breathing am i aligned Am I aware of my body? Am I aware of my breath? Am I aware of the ski? Am I aware of the terrain beneath me? All of those moment by moment adjustments are really, to me, what makes the sport um, compelling and also allows me to be good at skiing. It's not to... I, it, having a label of being an expert skier does not make me good at skiing being able to make fine-tuned adjustments to my body and my breath and my mind in any given moment are what makes me good at skiing. And so this is really, uh, you know, this is analogous to what I'm working with when I'm working with my clients is study how you're being in each moment as though you're doing a sport or as though you're playing an instrument or as though you're doing something because really we are in every moment we are in this sort of physical 
spiritual, mental balance with our bodies and with the earth all of the time. And that really, when you're attuned in that way, it doesn't really matter what your sense of identity is so much because you're attuning to the physical, mental experience of being alive inside of yourself. I love that. And I think it also is the doorway to all possibilities because yes. as long as you're holding yourself and this is a big thing with you know the <clears throat> no boundaries thing right as long yeah, as no you're barriers, holding yeah. yourself in a mental concept which is empty and devoid of real meaning of course um right. what we hold as true and it has meaning right and has right. power over us but right. when you are truly present, like what you're talking about, and attuning to your environment, and tuning to your inner environment and your outer environment is how I would recap what you just said. Absolutely. And making the best choices so you get the best results, whatever it is that you want. Go fast. You want to traverse from side to side. You want to stop and talk to people, whatever, right? That's right. Yeah. And so I love that if you truly are being attuned to the moment that you it's a, it's a, it's it's a technique kind of of freeing yourself from the confines of those conditioned identities that's right of who you are what you are capable of of what you're not capable what you deserve what you don't deserve etc that's so, right how beautiful yeah. of a thing to share so succinctly and so clearly thank you so much oh, you're so, so much for you yeah. Oh, well, thank you. And likewise. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just spelled it out perfectly. Yeah. It's in that state of attunement and alignment with the inner environment and the external environment that you actually have choices. Like you said, you can go fast, you can go slow, you can traverse, you can stop and talk to people, but you only have choices when you're self-aware. When you're not self-aware, you are going one direction and one direction only. And it is not a direction that you are choosing, but a direction that feels like it's being chosen for you based on whatever patterns and beliefs that you're you're used to playing out in your mind. Yeah, and I'm, so absolutely. My, my observation with that is the pattern, the direction is called what I call a downward spiral. That mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it brings yeah, more, really more limitation, more suffering, more despair, addiction, and the whole nine yards. Right. Yeah. So an addiction can be something that's not just drug and alcohol or porn or whatever. It can also be addiction to certain thoughts. You know, we can have that's where it's more insidious is where we are addicted to certain ways of perceiving ourselves. And then that addiction becomes the fundamental liability. Yeah, because and, our thoughts create our reality. Hello. Personal uh -huh, development exactly. 101, right? Exactly. We're, we're, we're addicted to the thoughts. And actually, you know, Joe Dispenza says that great thing about um, if you're used to having a certain kind of chemistry going on by having anxious thoughts and you make a choice to stop the anxious thoughts, it's just like the heroin addict who decides to stop doing heroin. It's like your body is chemically addicted to that if it's despair or if it's isolation or if it's loneliness or if it's being discombobulated whatever whatever the thing right. is that you how you run your energy how you show up yeah. that and and so this is when i'm gonna again 
make a call out for the importance of having a guide, of having yeah. someone who is has evolved more, you know, ahead of us and who can see our, our divine light and can help us to recognize how we're getting in our own way and see that divine, more importantly, to see that divine light and recognize that that is the truth of who we are. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how did your, how did your life change when you started to attune to the moment be without, be with the unknown and let that kind of un, the openness be your guide. I would say it has changed in every single manner possible. Um, it is so much more enjoyable and it is so <laughs> much more free. And it is, I mean, I, every day, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing because I'm the one choosing my direction versus feeling like there's any kind of force that is choosing my direction for me. And that is the most freeing thing imaginable. And now I have friends, colleagues, etc., who are all in a, who have been magnetized by that frequency of freedom the, fr the frequency that i'm operating from where as before i would attract certain people and circumstances into my life that would be a match for that unconscious victimhood mentality where i wasn't choosing my full power i would be constantly attracting things to affirm that so that it would continue to to reinforce that perspective and now i uh, keep so, attracting i want to make a point there that yeah. whether you're seeing yourself as limited and deficient or if you're seeing yourself as a divine light and in total celebration you attract that that's right that's yeah. right yeah. the thing about manifestation that most people don't recognize is that manifestation is happening so fully and completely on every moment in in every moment we cannot help but be manifestors it's so funny when you hear someone say i'm either like great at manifesting or i am challenged with manifest no you're not you are actually <laughs> manifesting exactly what your system has chosen to manifest right now for the particular place of learning and evolution that you're in right now Otherwise, it wouldn't be here for you in your life as it is. Yeah. And so, so it's really important that we get really honest with ourselves because we can manifest if we are making excuses for why we're not in our full power, we are going to manifest experiences that reflect that exact thing, just in yeah, the same way, just like there, you said. Word, I would add in their joy, our full mm -hmm. power and our full joy. Right, right, right. I, I put those two things together really as yeah. the same basic well, that's you're power, a guy. power and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> burly guy, a big, muscly, burly guy. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no problem. Okay. I, I, I agree so, completely. Two times um, this thought's come up and so I'm going to mention it, which is um, I was having a conversation with, which which is the nature of the trickiness of the limited self or the ego identity to keep us under wraps and to not 
even when we say we're going to do this thing at New Year's and we take on these new practices and maybe even get a coach or a spiritual teacher and go do sit on the cushion and like we're doing all of these things, but we still keep creating the same scenario again and again. I mean, maybe some things sort of on the peripheral change, but the thing that is your real heart's desire does not change. And I think that I want to see if you can speak to that for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you're sharing with me, what that brings up for me is, and, and even as I'm saying brings up for me, et cetera, what you're sharing with me is we are constantly applying this personal pronoun to everything. I, me, my experience, et cetera, et cetera. It is so insidious and it shadows our awareness in every moment so much so that it attaches and we believe that that voice is part of the absolute reality but that that voice is constantly yeah that that voice is constantly creating a self-consciousness loop that is impossible to get out out of at the level of the loop so that's what you're why you're like that's what I'm hearing about the insidiousness of it is the self-conscious loop is constantly going, I am having this experience, I am this, I am that, I am spiritually evolving, I'm sitting on this meditation cushion, I am this, I'm trying to improve myself. The 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 and you brought up dispenser earlier. One of the things I uh, the title of the book that I really like is breaking the habit of being yourself. So the self-conscious sort of looping uh, that is so habitual that we believe that it is essential, but actually the true self is not bound by a singular identity. The true self is in alignment with divine consciousness and recognizing that we are imposing this story, this narrative about ourselves and our experience on every moment that's the tricky thing that needs to be broken if one wants to really expand past that insidious, repetitive, continuing to be, you know, you might find out that your goals aren't even related to what you thought they were because your goals were coming from a limited idea of who you were in the first place. Or so the goals <laughs> that someone else imposed on you exactly. pressured you to fulfill for their gratification or their feeling of not being shamed of their kid or their student or whatever. Yeah. Mom and dad's unlived dreams or exactly. the culture's expectations or whatever is alive inside of you that is, doesn't even really belong to you, but is part of some, some idea, some meme that was downloaded into your psyche. Yeah. So you've touched on so many amazing things today, Sam, and I would love to continue our conversation for a long time. And I want to give my listeners an option to get back to their life. So I just want to um, do a little recap here of mentioning some of the amazing things that you talked about. Is that okay? Oh, sure, sure. Okay, I, I was can... hoping to go on for hours. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I know respect you were so your audience. Sorry that I wasn't Joe Rogan and doing a two-hour <laughs> interview. Um, well, I see that could easily happen, and um, maybe we'll do that again another time. Sure thing. So, um, but some of the things that I thought that you touched on that were so amazing was that um that 
one of the thing I was really impressed about was that you sort of bore through the process of your illness and your increased complications with bed sores and all that stuff, right? That you that you persevered through all of that. And then <clears throat> that you started to kind of you oh I think that you mentioned that you went to coaching and that you brought in a third a person a witness of your higher self that mm. started to mirror to you and started to probably ask you some powerful questions that were helped that was helping you to get out of that uh limitedness you know we could talk a lot about whatever all the details of that right and then you started making space for the unknown and trusting that life loves you and opening up to the moment, practice, presencing practices where you're aware of what's going on inside and what's going on outside and attuning to the moment so that you could optimize your experience, right? And then choices, of course, cho choosing and choosing who we are and what we want to create and noticing our power as manifester. What else would you say that I missed? That was yeah, really you pretty important. much covered all the bases. Important. Yeah. Okay. So any other things that you would like to leave our audience with on the topic of um, your journey from adversity to awakening, transforming your hardships into greater spiritual connection and joy? Yeah, well, it's going to probably sound trite, but there is an infinite power that resides inside of you, no matter what your circumstances are. And I know that if I've tapped into it, that others can tap into it as well. And it really is a process of developing a deeper and deeper and more profoundly insightful relationship with the entire body, because the entire body is it is the nervous system. It's not just your head. It's not just your thoughts. Developing that inquisitive, curious, moment-by-moment -moment relationship with your entire body is the best way of getting out of a limited perspective that is based on thought. Very beautiful. So what is the thought process if you want to become more aware of your body? of your thoughts Re recognizing that your attention and your thoughts are different things where you place your attention <clears throat> doesn't have to be on the constant stream of thoughts you yeah. can place your attention just like meditation teachers and yogis have taught for thousands of years you can place your attention on your breath you can place your attention on the source of thought thought versus thought itself what is the source of thought yeah, you can pay, place funny. your attention on the <laughs> sensations of energy inside of your body you can take your 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 attention is up to you where you place it yes and i'd like to share on that topic from my practice um i'm a student of the diamond approach and um my teacher hamid shares something similar to what you said a little while ago about there not being you, you complete like there's no end to our development right like you're not an expert coach you're not an expert speaker you're in the process of becoming a better whatever right mm -hmm. and his mm -hmm. whole thing is mm -hmm. that the enlightenment process there is no final state of consciousness it's just the mystery of life just continues to deepen and open to more and more wonder dimensions and amazement so 
you you guys are very much in alignment that way and um the practice that we do in with that is inquiry and so the question that i often ask myself is uh what's the truth of my experience now and i mm. look inward and notice what's happening inside my emotional body my physical body and i take in also what's going on with my environment and as i just stay and there's a process of inquiry that we do where we share with another person and speak without being interrupted for a while and follow that thread of what's happening and invariably the it's like a portal to the dimension of your whole self of your true self and um i'd be happy to share with anybody that process anytime that. it's like um yeah, it's and it was like it, I also related to when you said you had many ahas. This for me has been like many, many, many ahas of 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 knowing that um, the culture has an idea that little people are less than. But I'm you know <laughs> don't relate to that at all anymore. So um, yeah. Anyway, you you've used that as a perfect foundation for your own growth and evolution which i think is something that we share in common is that we have taken our physical circumstances and gone oh how can i use this for my soul's evolution versus looking at it from the perspective of limitation well the thing that's interesting about that and it's relevant to our topic is that i didn't start out like that i just wanted to be happy Sure. Yeah. I was sure. like, I'm, su I'm miserable. I'm suffering. I'm banging my head against the wall here. I want to have a different experience. And as I got help and applied myself and was a lot of qualities like determination, persistence, honesty, courage, all of that developed in me. And I was able to walk the path. And then, then I started having all these amazing spiritual, you know, awarenesses and connections and, I found that then actually I could connect with another person in a real way. And I could connect with nature in a way that touched me in a very deep way, et cetera. And then the quality of my life, it wasn't about being happy anymore. It was about having the life that was like gems. Beautiful. Yeah. You found something deeper than happiness. Exactly. So you too, my friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then <laughs> warrior thank you for being with us today i'm so thank happy you, yeah it's really fantastic to chat with you in this way thank you for sharing all of your uh, vulnerability your struggles being honest your kindness and your wisdom appreciate it it's my pleasure thank you for having me on your show okay good mm -hmm.